you do have the ability to pass your assets into the estate of your spouse, of the will created under the estate of your spouse, but those assets would not generate accepted trust income. They have to go to a trust established under your will in order to gain gain that tax concession. You're listening to Australia's podcast for accountants, Tax Talks, the podcast to grow your firm. Welcome to another update of Tax Talks, update number 25, the last update for this tumultuous year. This is Heide Robson and thank you to Class for sponsoring this episode. In June this year, in the middle of all the crazy JobKeeper stuff and changes to insolvency law and all those other updates, in the middle of all that, something significant happened that kind of got forgotten in all the drama, but is really important to talk about before you head off. And that is the change to testamentary trust law with respect to accepted income and distribution to minors. Income coming from testamentary trusts distributed to minors, this income might no longer be taxed at favorable adult rates as so-called accepted income, but might instead be taxed at penalty rates for minors. You might remember the 2018-19 budget when the federal government announced these changes and these changes are now law with effect retrospectively from 1st of July 2019. So apply to assets acquired by or transferred to the trustee on or after 1st of July 2019. Paul McEnroe of Cleary Hall in Brisbane will discuss with you what this exactly means. They were passed on the 22nd of June 2020, but they have legislative effect from the 1st of July 2019. And that often happens where they make an announcement and say, you know, as from this date, the law will change. And this is our, this is the anticipated change to the law um, so that people understand what the change is, but uh, perhaps the legislation doesn't go through Parliament as soon as they want it to. Effectively, the changes go all the way back to 1 July 2019, but they came into into effect on uh, the 22nd of June this year. The change to the law means that you can no longer contribute outside assets to the testamentary trusts after the 1st of July 2019 or after the creation of the trust. So you can't move non-estate assets into a testamentary trust, correct? No, uh, that, that's that's not quite right. You still can move non-estate assets into a testamentary trust. However, the tax benefits that flow from what's called accepted trust income cannot flow from those assets that are non-estate assets. So I'll explain that in a different way. Only assets that pass to the testamentary trust as a result of the will and from the deceased estate will be able to pass income from those assets, uh, which might be accepted trust income and therefore have, I guess, a tax benefit if passed to minors uh, because minors will will receive adult tax rates on that accepted trust income. Yes, because that's what it is all about, isn't it? It's just about distribution to minors because normal trust distribution to minors would be taxed at Division 6AA rates, I think, so at penalty rates, yep. whereas distribution from testamentary trust to minors are not 
taxed at these penalty rates, but are taxed at added rates. It's all just about this, isn't it? Yeah, it is. This change has, has been coming for a long time. It really stems from a case way back, I think, in 2005 called Fursus case, where effectively the commissioner lost in that case where the trustee of a testamentary trust borrowed money to acquire units in a, a practice trust that ran a business. And the commissioner said, well, the income from those units is not accepted trust income because those assets did not come to the trustee from the deceased estate. And the law as it was then and as it was up until 1 July 20 or 30 June 2019 was that that income that came from a trust established under a will was accepted trust income and it didn't it didn't have any bearing that the trustee didn't acquire those assets from the deceased estate. So that is the change that they've now made to say that only assets that are given to the testamentary trust from the deceased estate can generate accepted trust income. What about assets that are contributed through the second parent's will? So let's say the estate first passes from the first parent to the second parent. The testamentary trust is created through the will of the first parent, but no substantial assets follow. They all go through to the second parent. But then when the second parent dies, then this parent's will advises that everything should go into the first parent's trust. That is still accepted trust. Yeah, unfortunately. Assets, correct or not? Yeah, unfortunately, it isn't. Um, oh, really? That I, surprises I, I, me. Yeah, I, I, I think it's probably an un, unintended consequence because if you think about the policy behind these changes, it was that we only want assets that come from a deceased estate to be able to generate accepted trust income. However, when you read the wording of the legislation, it doesn't give that interpretation what it says is that the property that can generate accepted trust income must go to the trust established under the person's will that's an absolute mind bomb there would be thousands of wills out there of the surviving parent that says when i die put everything into the trust that was established under the first spouse's yeah, testament. That is quite possibly true. Um, I know our will trusts, how we structure them, we allow the executor um, discretion under the will to pass assets to an existing trust with identical terms. So effectively, mum and dad would come in and, and write wills that are almost identical and the terms of the trust would be identical and they under their will would give assets to the trusts established under their own will but the executor has a discretion to pass those assets to the trust of the first to die so in those circumstances in our will you know perhaps fortuitously we we our clients won't have an issue because it is at the discretion of the executor and this law change wouldn't affect. Now, there may be some wills out there that say, you know, the wills that's established under my spouse, you know, if that will is already in existence, then I pass the asset to that trust. Um, in those circumstances, those trust assets wouldn't be able to generate accepted trust income. And that, I, I personally think it was an unintended consequence because the policy is, you know, it, it should 
it should still meet their requirements. And it, what it will do is probably just cause a duplication because mum and dad will need to have, or children will need to have separate trusts for mum's assets and dad's assets. The executor has the discretion to then create a new testamentary trust and then to put the estate of the second parent into the second trust. Is that why it should be okay? No. So what I'm saying is that under the new law, it will require dad's assets to go. If dad passes significant assets that would generate accepted trust income, dad's assets would need to go into a trust established under his will and mum's assets would need to go to a trust established under her will. You don't have the ability to, well, you do have the ability to pass your assets into the estate of your spouse, of the will created under the estate of your spouse, but those assets would not generate accepted trust income. They have to go to a trust established under your will in order to gain, gain that tax concession. Yeah. However, what I was getting at with, with our bloodline wills is that what they do is currently all our wills say dad creates dad's bloodline trust and mum creates a will that creates her bloodline trust. They each pass their assets into their own bloodline trust, but the executor has a discretion under that trust to pass assets into an identical trust established under another will. Um, now, I guess what I was getting at there was, is that our clients would be protected by the current law by passing them into their own trust. But if, for example, there were no minor children in the consideration, well, you might, you might forego that accepted trust income concession and use the discretion to pass all of the assets into one trust rather than having two. Yeah, that's a very good point. All this is really only an issue when you want to distribute to minor children. Yeah, that's that's right. But usually you have minor children because these testamentary trusts usually survive for a long time. The vesting period, I think, is usually 90 years or 100 years. So that means you would have... If you don't have minor children now, you will have minor grandchildren later or minor great-grandchildren later. So I can imagine it usually is an issue for most testamentary trusts, unless your children are already past childbearing age and there's clearly no further descendants coming. Yeah, I think that's right. Ultimately, you never know what's down the road, but some families may not, you know, they may not have children who will have children. So it may not work for all circumstances, but yeah, I mean, that is one of the significant benefits of a testamentary trust. Okay. So these law changes pose no problems if either there are no minor children, either now or in the future, or otherwise, if your trustee gives the um, executor the discretion to create their own trust, testamentary trust, and to then pay the estate into this new testamentary trust. And, and this is very important, A, the will gives this discretion to the executor and B, the executor is switched on enough to know that this is an issue and that he must not pay the estate into the first trust, but that he must create a new trust that the estate goes into. I think I may have uh, confused you a little on my discretion element. Let me say it one, one more time and hopefully I'll explain it a bit better. Under dad's will, they establish trust one and dad would give assets to trust one. Under mum's will, she would establish trust two. 
the discretion I'm talking about is that if the executives don't exercise any discretion, mum's assets go to trust two, dad's assets go to trust one. The discretion we allow is for the executor of mum, who dies second, to pass her assets to trust one, which was established under dad's will. Under those circumstances, the assets that pass from mum to trust one, which was established under dad's will, do not receive accepted trust income concessions. But okay. in the ordinary sense, mum's assets would, would pass to trust two, which was established under her will, and they would gain the, the concession. Yes. But is this common when you look at kind of standard testamentary trust deeds or the will that creates these trusts? Is it common that each parent creates their own trust, but then there's discretion? Or are there also quite a lot of wills out there that clearly just say, one trust will be established and then the estate of the second parent of mum's estate will then go into dad's trust. Yeah, I've seen a mix of dad's assets go to dad's trust and mum's assets go to mum's trust. So where they're separate trusts, I've seen that. Mm -hmm. And then you're um, okay? Yeah, that would be fine. And that, and that would work with the current law. I've seen wills that have one trust established under a will and then the assets going to, I guess, that other person's trust if they're the, the first to die. I've seen less of, um, I guess, how we would do it where there's a bit of discretion left to the executors. Wills tend to be a bit more prescriptive in that, in that fashion rather than leaving some discretion there. So it really comes down to the wording of the will. Some wills right. will have an issue and it can be quite an expensive issue. It can um, be because oftentimes people will establish testamentary trust wills and most of their assets will be joint assets. So therefore, the, the assets that flow from the second person to die will be the bulk of the estate. And in those circumstances, if the bulk of the estate went to the trust established under the first person to die's will, then those assets would lose the accepted trust income benefits on the bulk of the estate. So that could be quite expensive um, in terms of tax payable uh, down the road. But you can always reword the second will, correct? Just because that dad already died and originally the uh, wills were identical apart from names, yeah. you can always rewrite the second will for mum to make sure that now her estate will go into a separate trust, hence to avoid this issue. Yeah, look, it always depends on the, the wording of the will. Now, there are contracts to make wills and, and issues like that. They're a bit more niche. But if it is a standard will that creates a testamentary trust, then, then frankly, people should be reviewing to make sure that they take into account these new changes. Second question, and that is, this cutoff of the 1st of July 2019, does that only apply to assets that are contributed after the 1st of July 2019? Or does it apply to all income earned after the 1st of July 2019, meaning assets that were contributed outside of an estate before the 1st of July 2019? Will the income from these assets now fall under this rule and be not accepted income or is it okay as long as the contribution of the asset happened before the 1st of July 2019 then it's fine yeah so those assets would be okay because they were in the testamentary trust before that date so 
income from those assets would still be under the old law. Okay, good. And so under the old law, it was fine that if a testamentary trust was created with just $10, but then the trustee started a growing business within the testamentary trust under the old law, that was fine. All of that income was still accepted income. Yes, that's right. And before the 1st of July 2019, you could move any assets into a testamentary trust. So you could move real estate, shares, start a business, any asset you could move into a testamentary trust outside from an estate. So you could move any non-estate assets into a testamentary trust before, as long as it happened before the 1st of July 2019. When you say move, it's probably a bit broad. Or contribute. Um, were, yeah, or, or even contribute. I think there were other, I guess, of anti-avoidance types provisions in the, in the I guess, the, the old legislation that's still there where I think if you made a gift of an asset to a trust, that would breach one of those other anti-avoidance uh, provisions um, because I guess even under the old law, or okay, I say the old law, it, it still is the law, those other provisions were designed to stop you gifting a $5 million property, for example, leave aside the stamp duty, and generating revenue from that which would be accepted trust income. So going back to Fers's case that I talked about, well, uh, there was there was money borrowed to purchase the units, and that's why they couldn't go under those other anti-avoidance provisions. But I think simply making a gift, this law change doesn't really affect that in the way that that probably always was outside of the scheme of, of these sections. Oh, really? I always thought that until the 1st of July 2019, it was basically free game. You could move anything you wanted into a testamentary trust. So I was mistaken. Yeah. And so there's there's other there's provisions about really designed to stop you giving assets to a, to a testamentary trust in order to gain those extra advantages. Tax That's right. Yes. Okay. But so then starting a business in a testamentary trust, is that okay? Well, I think that's different because, you know, most businesses start with with nothing. It will depend, I think, on, well, where does the where does the capital come to start that business? From outside. Yeah, that's that's the difficulty, I suppose. But in saying that, you know, as long as I guess you treat them perhaps as loans to start that business. Yes, exactly. It would um, be a loan. You know, yeah, you would you, taking the conservative approach, you'd probably want to put in place some some loan terms rather than it just being at call and actually have some interest payments and, and the like. But I think that's a different concept to being given an asset for free. I see. Okay, good. So if you start the business and you have significant shareholder loans at call without interest, then it could still represent moving an asset into the fund and that uh, could yeah, be an issue. I think you've just you've got more questions to answer if you're ever asked those questions about, well, was this a gift? Did you really, you know... Um, are those other anti-avoidance provisions, um, should they be enlivened? Whereas if you treat it as a true loan, a commercial loan, pay interest as, as required, then under the old rules and, and going off Fers's case, that would be acceptable. The moral of the story is review where the estate is going 
upon the death of the second parent and make sure they don't go into the first trust because they now need to go into their own trust or make sure that the last will of the second parent stipulates that and that the executor is aware of the issue. Yeah, that's right. I think, unfortunately, there's there's going to be a duplication of trusts in order to gain this concession, but people need to review their their wills to make sure that um, there are separate trusts for both mum and dad in that scenario. The use of testamentary trust might come down a little bit in popularity, but it's still a good vehicle when you have significant assets. It just means you can't move other assets into the trust. But if you have significant assets within the estate and minor children, then it's still a good setup to get income to the minor children. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Look, there's there's nothing to stop a person from contributing assets from their own estate into uh, a testamentary trust established by their parent. All that's going to be required is a separate financial accounting of those non-testamentary assets so that income from those non-testamentary assets is distributed, not to children, because the income from those assets won't generate or won't be accepted trust income. Whereas in the same testamentary trust, there there may be assets that gain that accepted trust income. Actually, that's a very good point, Paul. Do you have to distribute proportionally or can you stream? So let's say there is a million dollars of income, 600,000 of that is from testamentary assets and 400,000 is from non-testamentary assets that were contributed later. When you now distribute to minors, can you say the $600,000 from testamentary assets go only to the minors and the $400,000 go only to the other adults? Or do you have to do it proportionally so everybody gets a 60-40 distribution? No, I mean, I think that's been the case forever that you could write your trust resolutions in such a way as to differentiate where the income came from. There's nothing that says it has to be, you know, as a pool, you know, we generated net income of X dollars, so you're going to get 30% of it. It was always the case that you could differentiate where the income came from. Um, So there's nothing new in that. It's just that as a matter of practice, that's how we've done it. We've said, you know, maybe you've given the first X dollars to this party and then, you know, split the difference in proportions or, or however you've done it. It's probably more a matter of ease and practice, but it's certainly never been prohibited that you couldn't differentiate between uh, the types of income and who you give that income to. Okay, so you can distribute the $600,000 to minors and declare it as fully accepted income. And there is little risk that the ATO will come back and say, actually, no, sorry, you need to proportion it. So 40% of that income distributed to minors is actually tax dependency rates. That's right. Welcome back. So property unrelated to the deceased estate can no longer generate accepted income. I forgot to ask Paul for his thoughts on income generated from replacement assets. So what happens when you sell an original asset and buy a new one? Does the income from the new asset still count as accepted income? And what about superannuation death benefits paid to the estate? The wording in the legislation does not give a clear answer, so we will need to cover this 
again later. So this was our last technical episode of 2020. We published 63 episodes and 25 updates this calendar year. Thank you for lasting the distance and staying with us for all your emails and questions and praise. I really appreciate it. It is really nice to hear from you and helps to get the answers you're looking for. You still have the top 10 episode to come next Monday. Until then, thank you for listening and thank you to class for their support. Bye for now and one last time for this year. See you in the next episode.